Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. We live in an information society that encourages us to speak and talk our heads off all day long. And the Bible says in a multitude of words, sin's not lacking. You want to cut down the chances of sinning with your tongue? Speak less and think more. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words don't hurt. We all heard the phrase growing up, but it couldn't be further from reality. Welcome to Know the Truth, I'm Wayne Shepherd, And today, Philip DeCourcy reminds us that our words have real consequences and shares how we can prevent negative outcomes. It's the continuation of a message titled, Those All Important Words. And if you need to catch up on a previous part of this lesson, you'll find it at ktt.org and on the KTT app. Now, Let's join Pastor Philip DeCourcy. The quality of our life, to a large degree, rises and falls on the use or the abuse of our tongues. Let's see what God wants to say about what we say. Let's learn to guard our lips and guard our lives. Look at Proverbs 13 and verse 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. Unless you're going to get a handle on your tongue, I can guarantee you, your life is not going to go as smoothly and as successfully as God would want it and wish it. Proverbs is replete with advice on this subject. In fact, Solomon gives us 150 proverbs on the subject alone. And as we go through our series, we're going to see that the wise writers of Proverbs, remember there were multiple authors, They kept their most vivid images in the book for the subject of the tongue. What I want to do here is look at some of the categories of speech that the book of Proverbs deems harmful. False words. Words that are deceptive, not true. Words that distort the facts. And there are three categories of those words we'll quickly look at. False words are lying words, gossiping words, and flattering words. In Proverbs 12, verse 22, here's what we read. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. Don't lie, because God's watching, and it's an abomination to Him. And whatever advancement you get through deceit, it will be short-lived, and it will not go unpunished, either in this life or the life to come. Secondly, do we not only have lies, but gossip as false words? Look at Proverbs 11, verse 13. A teal bearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. A wise person, a righteous man, knowing something about someone else, will, will cover that knowledge with lo- a blanket of love and conceal the matter. Hold it to himself. Perhaps it's, it's, it's come to him unwittingly, or perhaps that friend has shared it. Well, the wise man will seal it, put it away, keep it in safekeeping. But the fool, the unrighteous man, the tail bearer, well, he'll shout it from the housetops. 
You know, gossip. You know what gossip is? Gossip is a false or an unverified piece of information about someone else that once in your possession, you decide to discuss it with a third party and you discuss it in a negative fashion. Did you hear? Can I share this with you for prayer? And off we go gossiping. In fact, what's interesting, if you look at the gossip, it can be false or unverified information about someone being passed on, but it can also be truth. But that's still gossip. Even if it's true, it's still gossip, and I'll tell you why. Because you were given it not to share, but to conceal it and come alongside that person and to help them in their problem. Not to get on the blower and tell somebody about what you know. It's sinful. Employ your time and your talents to better uses. And it's a problem out in our culture. We live in the talk show culture. We live in the Jerry Springer culture. We live in the culture that uh, has handed everybody a cell phone so that you can talk endlessly during the day, even when you're by yourself now, wherever you are. You can go to the Kroger's store and pick up yourself the latest magazine with all the gossip columns that will amuse your mind all day long. Gossip, gossip, gossip. Multiplied words, multiplied words, multiplied words. That's our culture. And it is not a culture that encourages us to speak like the book of Proverbs encourages us to speak. So we need to be careful. That's why as a pastor, by the way, I have a rule, typically, when someone comes to speak to me about a matter which may involve them talking to me about someone else, I always tell them that the likelihood is, in fact, more than likely, that I will go to that person to tell them what you told me. Or you will then go and tell them what you've told me. Nine times out of ten, conversation over. Because nine times out of ten, it's veiled gossip. Or it's someone bringing another brother down because they don't have the honesty and the Christian spirit to go to that brother and confront them about that matter graciously. Lies, gossip, flattery. This is the last um, category of words under false words as we come towards a close. If gossip, this is interesting, if gossip is saying behind a person's back what you would not say to their face, Flattery is saying to their face what you wouldn't say behind their back. Do you get the difference? When someone flatters you in an unbiblical sense, we're not talking about passing on a, a good compliment or a just uh, word of praise. That's not flattery. That's compliment. That's praise, and that's okay. But flattery is saying to someone's face what you wouldn't say behind their back because you really have an ulterior motive. You're stroking them. This is a culture of strokers, isn't it? We'll say anything to get anywhere so that we can have our agenda advanced. And this kind of stroking with ulterior motive for personal advancement is called flattery in the Bible, and it's a misuse of your tongue. The Bible condemns it, and the Bible warns us to look out for it. Turn with me to Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26 and verse 24. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him. 
for there are seven abominations in his heart. The book of Proverbs saying that there is the real possibility that someone's going to say words that are kind and uplifting to your face, but in their heart, there's seven abominations, and behind your back, they're bringing you down. They're feigning love. They're playing a game. They're using you, and they're abusing speech to use you. That's flattery, and the Bible condemns it. And the Bible says, look, don't believe everything you hear about yourself, even when it's good. Don't swallow all that. I'll give you another proverb. In fact, um, look at Proverbs 26, verse 23. Just go back up. This is an amazing little proverb. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. Just as in pottery, you can have this kind of dirty earthenware thing made look good by a glaze of color and paint. So people gloss their words to hide the fact that they're really using you. When they say those nice things about you, they really don't love you. They love themselves because they want something from you. This is a particular problem to the rich. Remember, we saw that back in Proverbs um, 14, verse 20. The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich have many friends. But they're not real friends. Hey, haven't seen you recently. Hey, we've got to get together. What about doing something together? What about a game of golf? You go, hey, I'd like that. But you see, he's really got a use for you. And he's investing time in you for himself, not for you. You've got something he wants, and he'll use flattery to get it. The Bible says, don't do that. And if you're on the receiving end of it, try and be discerning and don't swallow it. We could indeed um, illustrate this, couldn't we, through multiple applications. What about the insecure widow who's prey to some cunning suitor whose own money is running out? Her pockets are deeper. Why not make a marriage arrangement? Flattery will get you there. What about um, the unhappy teenage girl who is divested of the love and affirmation of a father and therefore ill-equipped to fend off the compliments of a young man who has only got one thing on his mind? What about the overweight, balding executive who's in his 50s who perceives that he's over the hill and may be responsive to the charms of a young, attractive secretary who flatters him? The Bible warns us about flattery. In fact, someone has said that flattery is like perfume. Enjoy it, but don't swallow it. I wouldn't even say that's true. Don't smell it, sniff it, or swallow it. It's poisoned perfume. And the Bible tells you to stay away from it because it's false and unreal, and it's going to hurt you when the pretense is unmasked and uncovered. Folks, we're barreling to a close. We've looked at the negative side of speech, forgotten words and fast words and false words. They do great damage. They deal death because life and death is in the power of the tongue. The tongue can be used for good purposes and bad purposes. The tongue is only three inches long, but it can kill a man six feet high and it can topple kingdoms thousands of miles wide. It's so powerful. 
It may be small, but Jim says it's like a spark on a dry prairie. It can set the world on fire. It may be small, just like the rudder of a ship, but it can change the course of a life. Let me finish by just giving you some things to think about. You and I need to curb our words. We need to guard our tongues. Here's a couple of things to think about. Number one, resolve to talk less and think more. Proverbs 17 verse 27 says, He who has knowledge spurs his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Proverbs 13 verse 3, He who guards his mouth preserves his life. We live in an information society that encourages us to speak and talk our heads off all day long. And the Bible says in a multitude of words, sin's not lacking. You want to cut down the chances of sinning with your tongue? Then button it. Stick a sock in it. Don't speak as much. Be a better listener. Look for quietness in the day. Don't think you have to speak to everything. Feel free not to have an opinion on anything. Speak less and think more. Because on an average day, you and I speak enough words that if they were put in the print, would amount to 50 pages of material. Why don't you get that 50 pages down to 40? That'll be a start. Number two, not only resolve to talk less and think more, resolve to uh, bathe your words in God's words. Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Greek word for dwell there, to take up residence, to make up its home. Let the word of Christ, you know, settle down in your life. Take up residence in your mind and your heart. May it fill every room of your life. Let it dwell in you richly so that you might speak to one another in psalms and hymns and Spiritual songs admonishing one another. If God's Word is in our hearts, and the Bible says that out of the heart the mouth speaks, it's going to have an effect. We've got to be with our words in God's words. We've got to let His Word direct our tongue. We've got to allow our words and mouth to be bridled by the Scriptures so that we're thinking thoughts after God. That means we need to be in the Word of God every day, meditating upon it day and night. If it isn't open and we're reading it actually while it sits on our lap, we've stored it up in our hearts through memorization, and wherever we are, we're able to recall the Word of God. That's a good thing. It will guard our tongues because God's Word will become our words. Spurgeon said we should have blood that's bibline, wherein whenever you cut a Christian, they should bleed the Bible. How often is biblical language in your language? How often do you turn the conversation to a conversation about God's Word? That will help. The Word of God can become like a teleprompter, reminding us what to say. You know, um, the news anchors, they spend their day writing up their, their, their script, and then it's put on a teleprompter. There they sit at 6 o'clock, the evening news. You don't see it, but there's a prompter right in front of them reminding them of their words that they had written earlier that day. And the Word of God can have that ministry. If we put it in our hearts, we spend time thinking about it at some point in the day, and it becomes the script for the day. It becomes the, uh, the talking points of our life. 
then our words will be God's words and God's words will be our words and the tongue will be a lot more constructive, won't it? Here's another thing. Resolve to pray as you speak. Resolve to speak less and think more. Resolve to bathe your words in God's words. Resolve to pray as you speak. Remember Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 4 through 5. He's before King Artaxerxes. He's sad. He's sullen. He's burdened with the thought that uh, Jerusalem lies in ruin, that God's name is being besmirched among the nations. And uh, the king says, hold on a minute, Nehemiah. What, what's up with you? What's with the long face, Nehemiah? Nehemiah's going, my goodness, I'm in trouble now. This guy will lop my head off because it doesn't look that happy today. He realizes he's got an opportunity. God's going to have to turn the heart of the king. He's going to have to say the right thing at this right moment. And it says that he prayed to heaven and then he spoke to the king. That's a great way to live, to pray as you speak, to pray about what you're going to say, to talk to God as you're talking to others or to talk to God about others. And that will curtail what you say about them to others. Pray as you speak. Finally, resolve to think about eternity in time. Resolve to think about eternity in time. Listen to these words from Jesus in Matthew 12, verse 36. These words should put the kibosh on words that hurt coming from our mouths. Jesus said that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Every idle word will come echoing back through the corridors of time and out into eternity to meet us before God. And my friend, if you think about that, as I've thought about it this week, that'll put a restraint on an unrestrained tongue. Because what you say, you will hear again in the presence of God. And so Jesus said, look, you judge your words more carefully so that God won't have to judge your words more strictly. That's a tremendous challenge. George Bush I, Herbert Bush, was running for president in 1988. If you remember this, he said something that was rather rude about some of the newscasters of that day. In fact, he spoke ill of Dan Rather. And then he spoke ill of a man by the name of Leslie Stahl, who was the White House correspondent for CBS. In fact, he cursed, and then he took the Lord's name in vain. He used foul language, and then he blasphemed. And he did apologize. He said this, quote, If I had have known that the mic was on, I wouldn't have said it. I wouldn't have taken the Lord's name in vain. I apologize for that. I didn't know I was being taped or I wouldn't have said it. Folk, the mic's on. The tape's rolling. And every idle word will be given account for in the day of judgment. And by your words, you will either be justified or condemned, says Jesus. It's not saying that uh, if you speak right, you get into heaven and you pass muster with God. But remember what Jesus said? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when God judges if you and I are saved or not, 
whether he changed our hearts or not, whether Jesus Christ came in to abide and live in us, one of the ways he'll be able to determine that is by the words we spoke. And our words will justify our justification. Our words will determine whether we're saved or not, not in the truest sense of that, that we're saved by our words, but that our words will give evidence of whether we're saved or not. James 1.26, if a man doesn't bridle his tongue, his religion is worthless. It's not that you and I can't, you know, commit a howler when it comes to the use of our tongues doesn't mean that you and I can't have a night burst of anger where we surprise ourselves with what would come out of our mouth. It's not what the verse is saying. But when that's a lifestyle, when you're a continual gossip, when you're a continual liar, when you're a continual blasphemer by using God's name vainly, then your words will meet you on the day of judgment and condemn you as someone who never knew the true impact of the good words of Jesus Christ in the gospel. This is Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy and the conclusion of part one of a message called Those All-Important Words. Be sure to join us tomorrow as we begin part two. If you tuned in late today or would like to revisit an earlier segment of this multi-part lesson, you'll find them online at ktt.org. There you can also find many other faith-building resources like Philip's Truth Matters devotional, which points believers to clear biblical truth for everyday living. Well, we learned today words are not just sounds. As creatures made in God's image, the words we speak have power, the power to bring life and the power to bring destruction. Pastor Philip is back with us now. And Philip, that's why it's vital for us to know God's word so that our words can align with his. That's right, Wayne. And know the truth, we believe it's God's word that changes and transforms lives. Faith in Jesus Christ is brought about by hearing the Word of God. It's God's Word that gives us dignity. It defines our person and purpose in life, reminding us that we're made in God's image. It's God's Word that explains our sin nature and the brokenness we see in this world. And yet that brokenness and sin is remedied through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, the good news of the gospel. It's God's Word that equips us on the every good work, it proves to be a light onto our path and a lamp onto our feet. And right now, you can participate by helping us spread and disseminate that gospel by giving a financial gift to support this ministry. Together, we can share the gospel with a world in need of truth. We regularly hear from listeners who hear the gospel for the first time by listening to know the truth, and now they are faithful followers of Jesus Christ, living transformed lives, set free by God's truth. And none of this would be possible without our listeners' support. You can give a donation right now by calling 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. Your gifts allow us to provide this Bible teaching program, some study guides to go with those Bible studies, and the free Know the Truth app, and so much more. I'm so grateful for your generosity, your commitment to help others benefit from the bold and convicting Bible studies that we present each and every day here on Know the Truth. Yes, thank you, Philip. And this ministry wouldn't be possible without our listeners. So please call us at 888-644-8811. Or even easier, give online at ktt.org. 
And if you prefer to mail your gift, write to us at Know the Truth, P.O. Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. To express our gratitude for your generous gift, we'll send you the book, What God Wants Every Dad to Know, The Most Important Principles You Can Teach Your Child. We'll also invite you to send a copy of Philip's encouraging book, Take Cover, to a friend of your choice. Again, call 888-644-8811 or visit ktt.org. And before you go, be sure to connect with us on social media. You'll find us on most platforms when you search for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us tomorrow for part two of today's message titled, Those All-Important Words. That's Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.